Good morning, Christchurch families. We are the Mariner family. I'm Anna. I'm Melanie. I'm Paige. I'm Keelan. And I'm Sharon. And my husband Ryan wasn't able to be with us this morning because he's working. But as a family, we have the honor of welcoming you all to online worship today with us. So we all really miss you, and I hope we can get together soon. It's been nice to um, worship at home with our families during this time. But we are so grateful that we can still join together and worship as a church online. Yes, as it says in the scriptures, wherever two or more are gathered, he is there. So we just want to recognize uh, the Lord's presence this morning. And we just pray and hope that you are blessed by today's worship and message. And we cannot wait till we can all be together in person um, again. Get ready to worship God. come before God in praise and adoration. We come before God in gratitude and thanksgiving. Even in these difficult times, we come before Jesus with joy because we know that God is with us. We know that Jesus loves us. So we open our eyes to see his glory. We open our ears to hear his wisdom. We open our hearts to give him our love. Come. Let us worship God.
Friends, let us bring our prayers and confessions before God. Almighty God, Father in heaven, we confess how hard it is to be your people. You have called us to be your church, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ to our lonely and broken world. Yet we acknowledge that we are more apathetic than active, isolated than involved, callous than compassionate, obstinate than obedient, legalistic than loving. Lord, you come to us, but we do not recognize you. You call us, but we do not follow you. You command us, but we do not obey. You accept us, but we do not accept others. You forgive us, but we do not forgive those who wrong us. You love us, but we do not love our neighbors. Lord, you showed us how to carry out your mission, but we still insist on our own. Gracious Lord, have mercy upon us and forgive our sin of indifference. Remove our obstacles preventing us from being your representatives in a broken, hurting, and confused world. Awaken our hearts to the promised gift of your indwelling spirit. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, hear these words of assurance. If you repent and believe in God's redeeming mercy, your sins are forgiven. So begin your life anew with God and with all God's people. Let us now proclaim what it is that we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Please join me in prayer once again. Dear Father, we praise you and thank you for all that you provide for us. We are thankful for your love, your grace, and your tender mercy. We cherish your compassion for us, your care of us, and your guidance. We are forever grateful that you have given us your beloved son, Jesus, that he died for our sins and now lives in and through us through your Holy Spirit. Father, in love and gratitude for you, we come to you as your children with our prayers and petitions. We lift up to you all of those in our community and beyond who are suffering with the COVID-19 virus. We pray for each person for strength and a full recovery. We pray for family members who cannot be with their loved one who are hospitalized. Lord have mercy. What an agonizing ordeal so many have gone through. We pray for those in our community and beyond who have lost loved ones from this virus and other illnesses. We pray for your comfort and love to surround and lift up family members and friends who are grieving and who are struggling with sadness. We pray especially for the family and friends who are grieving the loss of Darlene Gassman. Darlene was a celebrated and beloved longtime choir member who went home to be with the Lord on July 21. Father, we also pray for healing in our nation our communities and our neighborhoods for all of the racial and social unrest. We pray for understanding. We pray for compassion. We pray for healing and reconciliation. Now more than ever, we pray that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to a very broken and hurting world. Lastly, Father, we pray for the leadership of our church. We pray for our senior pastor, Dan Meyer, the trustees and elders and staff and all the pastors as we navigate through these very, very challenging times. We pray for your strength, your wisdom, and your grace, Father. We pray that we can stay the course and press on. And now, dear Father, in your tender mercy, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, dear friends, this morning I'd like to invite you to our Worship Wednesdays. For the last two Wednesdays, we have been worshiping at our Oak Brook and Butterfield campuses out in the parking lot. It has been a wonderful time to gather as a church family, sing praise and worship songs together, and meditate on God's word. We start at 6.45 and end about 7.15. You're welcome to gather at 6 p.m., bring a chair, a blanket, something cool to, to drink. We will be wearing masks and we will be social distancing. So we hope and pray that you will join us. I also want to invite you to our Pops concert. This is our Broadway show tunes and jazz standards that will be streamed right into your living room. This will be on August 1st at 7 p.m. and August 2nd at 3 p.m. also on 
Facebook Live. This will be a wonderful time to hear from our gifted singers and our musicians as they sing Broadway show tunes from shows such as Hamilton and Ragtime and The Sound of Music and many others. We hope you will join us in this very encouraging, wonderful event. You know, in this time of being separated and apart from one another, I think we've come to realize how much we miss each other and we want to be together as a church family. As the body of Christ, we worship together and it builds us up, it encourages us, and we grow and learn together. I know for my own family, Christ Church has been our church home, our second home. My husband, John, and I joined in 1991. We moved into a subdivision in Oak Brook, and we were so far away from God, we didn't know this church exists. But we figured it out, and we called him up, and we wanted our baby boy, Michael, nine-month-old, to be baptized. And they said, come on over. So we joined the church, and for a while, we just sat in the back of the sanctuary, taking in the beauty of worship, God's word, the wonderful preaching, these beautiful stained glass windows. Gradually, we started to serve. We served in the children's ministry as shepherds for six years, and then we followed our kids. We helped out at the camps and the children's musicals, the bell choir, the praise team. It's been a wonderful time of raising our two sons. They went from rolling under the pews to learning how to sit in the pews. Friends, this is why we support the local church. This is why we need to give generously to Christ Church today. So I just want to pause for a moment and give thanks for the gift of Christ Church that God has given us. And also pause for a moment and give to God his tithes and our offerings. Amen.
Thank you, Brad and Margo, for that. Thanks so much for reminding us that we are only so far in the journey. And we're continuing to move ahead with Jesus Christ. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I know Lisa has already welcomed you, but let me extend my welcome to you. As well as we're gathered in the sanctuary for a home for this wonderful journey through Paul's letter to Philippians. This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And one of the things we've seen so far is how how Paul has led the Philippian church into a depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. He's talked about loving God and the church, about having courage and confidence in the face of things that we have to ch are challenged with in our life. Most of all, being Christ-minded. Today in our text, we have an opportunity to start turning a corner in terms of where we go and what we do and what our attitude is to be as we move ahead in our lives in Jesus Christ. So let me read to us from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, contextually, what's happening in this is Paul has made a case for the righteousness of God and having no confidence in the flesh. We'll move a little bit more into that in just a moment to explain it. But Paul wants to move ahead with the image of a race and how we follow Jesus Christ and live our lives. So listen to Philippians chapter 3 beginning at verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow 
attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are, um, we are so in love with you. We are in love with you because we know you are in love with us. And I pray, Lord, in the midst of all the challenges that we face this day, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would invite us into this great race of faith to strain toward what is ahead, to the upward call of fellowship with you in Christ Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Let me get straight to the point this morning. Um, the clear emphasis of this passage is that we are to be Christ-centered and future-oriented. Now that can be hard for us because at any given time in our lives, we're struggling with the realities that we have and sometimes we're struggling with the great burden of what's happened in our past. I think there's a particular emphasis for us at this time in history. Many of us have become obsessed with the conditions that we face right now. We're living in a moment that's very, very difficult. And it's hard to let go of the past, but also it's very difficult in many ways to live in the present. It's even less clear than in previous days what sort of life we are living into and moving toward. And I don't know about you, but I find in many ways that my energy is unfocused. I am scattered. I'm thinking all over the place. I, I find myself um, hard to concentrate sometimes. And I know that many of you do as well. So where do our energies lie? What is our focus supposed to be? As I mentioned before I read the passage, the context is that Paul is moving from the sense of a righteousness through the law into a righteousness found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. <coughs> Remember, Paul was a Pharisee, and this is a direct rebuttal of the Pharisaic religion. Paul says, I have no righteousness of my own. I can't depend upon the law to move my soul into a different place. We can't earn our salvation. We don't have that righteousness. And so there is, if you might call it a balance or perhaps a tension, because Paul says, by grace we are saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, but the gift of God. And yet James tells us that faith without works is dead. And so we need to bring these two together, in a sense, in the way that we live our lives in Christ. But it's hard for us because we are a distracted people. We talk about multitasking. We talk about holding a variety of different values. We talk about having it all. I think in many ways we are a multi-distracted people. And there's a better way to focus on who Jesus is. Paul tells us then to forget what lies behind and to move into the future ahead of us. So Paul wants us to pull all things into focus in Jesus Christ. And I want to deal with those three F words this morning, focusing, forgetting, and futuring. Paul is a man of incredible focus. And we can push that away and say, well, gee, that was the Apostle Paul. And yet we are invited to the same focus that Paul had because we serve the same Lord he served. We have the same Holy Spirit living within us. And Paul then writes this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul did many things in his life, and if you, you laid out all that he did in terms of his travels and his ministry, his accomplishments, his faith, Paul says, I did this all for one person and one person alone. He says, I want to know Christ. I don't want to know Christian principles. I don't want to know about Christ. I want to know Jesus Christ, my Lord. You and I have a variety of different things in our lives. We have different involvements. We have obligations. We have relationships. It's normal. It's healthy. That's the sort of life that we lead. But we all have one call and one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So we can lead these complex lives that we lead, even as Paul did, but with one single focus. The, one of the dangers for us is that we think in terms sometimes of pacing ourselves or we average things out. Well, I don't do this very well, but I do this very well, so God gives me maybe a B minus C plus, and that's probably good enough. And so we don't focus and press hard toward what God calls us to. I'm afraid we also tend to think of ourselves as insignificant. And in the grand scheme of things, we think, well, what can I do? What can my life accomplish that is significant for the kingdom of God? And so we, we deflect either responsibilities or, or passion or even opportunities. Back during the days of World War II, in the midst of the war, Winston Churchill, in leading England, realized that one of the most important things that England could do at that time, the UK could do, was continue their mining of coal. They needed coal to power the different parts of the war effort. And one of the things that they did then is they almost literally drafted miners into, into the mines in Wales. And these miners were feeling bad because they thought, well, we're not part of the war effort. We're just down there mining coal. And so in order to bring their morale up, Churchill went to Wales and he, he gathered them all together and he said at the end of the war, there will be a great parade. And the RAF will walk and say, we kept the Germans off the London skies. And the infantry will say, and we fought them hand to hand. And the naval, Navy will say, well, we fought them on the seas. And they'll look at the miners and say, and where were you? And they'll say, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal, powering all those things, making them happen. And they all cheered. And it, it, it improved their morale and kept the war effort going. I'm afraid we think that way at times. What can I do? What can one person committed to Christ do? The Bible tells us that every person committed to Christ can do amazing things either initially on their own or as part of the body of Christ because we serve a Lord who gives us Holy Spirit power. Paul says, I have no confidence in my past life. I have no confidence in the flesh. It's not what's important anymore. Instead, I want to focus on knowing Christ and who he is. There are several other references in scripture to, to races and to athletics. I'm going to read to you a few of those this morning. But this one tells us about Paul's focus in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 24. He writes this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. 
No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul wants to know Christ. It is his sole focus. He is like an athlete in training, moving toward that one goal, getting in condition, ready to face the challenges of the race. That, friends, is our challenge as well, to keep focused. But we're also called, Paul says, to do some forgetting. And the second element in being Christ-centered and future-oriented, Paul says, is forgetting what is behind. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So friends, we are a forward stance faith. We are people who who move toward the future that God has for us, not a back-looking one. We're not like Lot's wife who look back and turn into a pillar of stone. And the Christian life is no smug arrival. When we come to faith in Christ, we are fully justified. We have confidence in God for us. But we have then just begun a journey, a race, to move toward what God is calling us to in our life. It's a lifelong race, a lifelong path. And so Paul says, we press on, we run the whole race, we keep our concentration going until we're called heavenward. One of my favorite times of the year is what we call March Madness now when the NCAA basketball finals and, and tournament are going on. And I was watching the games back in 1987 and it was a very memorable game to me. It was a national semifinal and LSU was playing Indiana. And LSU really pretty much had their way throughout the game. And there was a timeout called and with 4.38 left in the game, LSU was ahead by nine points. And an amazing shift happened when they came out of that that time out. The Indiana team, were, they were desperate. They needed to do something. The LSU team started watching the clock. And you could see the players dribbling down and looking at the clock here and looking at the clock there. And they lost their energy and they lost their focus. In a sense, they had quit playing the game. They wanted it to end too soon. Indiana overtook them. They ended up coming to the end of the game and winning on the final shot then in the next game took the national championship over Syracuse. We are called to forget what lies behind because we're called to play the whole game that God has in front of us. Now, it's not unconditional. There are some things, of course, we need to remember. We need to remember who we are. God has created us in his image. God has given us talents and opportunities. We need to remember whose we are. We belong now to Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. We don't want to forget that. And we don't want to forget how far we've come in Christ. That as we look upon the life that we have led, we don't focus upon that as all that God has done for us, but it becomes an encouragement as we see the highlights and move into the future God has for us. But there are things that we're called to forget. We're called to forget our failures. We're called to forget our distractions. We're called to forget our fears because when we focus upon those, they grip us spiritually by the throat and they keep our gaze behind rather than ahead. Remember that Paul was profoundly conscious of the temptation 
that confronts all of us to put our confidence in what we can do. As a former Pharisee and a Roman citizen, he put a lot of faith and energy into those things across the years. But now he set his eye on a different prize, knowing Christ, becoming like him. And so Paul's saying, I need to forget that previous context because it's not life-given to me anymore. It's not true. It's not bringing me into the presence of Jesus Christ. I need to forget what's behind as it holds me back and move into the future. The writer to the Hebrews said a similar thing in the beginning of chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Back in 1996, I, I took the plunge and ran the Chicago Marathon. It's the only one I've ever run. It's the only one I will ever run. I found it to be so difficult. But one of the things that happens on the day of the race, especially if it's cool in the morning, is that runners line up for the race and they're wearing clothes to keep them warm in the moment so that they warm up. And then as they run the race after the starting gun goes off and, and can continue down the course, as they warm up, they'll take things off. They'll, they'll take off their knit cap. They'll take off the old sweatshirt. They'll take off the sweats. And they'll run then the rest of the race in their running togs. And so what you have to do when you come up to the race is you need to decide what it is you're willing to throw off because you're not getting it back. Thankfully, someone picks these up and gives it to the homeless. But it was an interesting thing to run the race. And believe me, I had perspective being toward the back of the pack to see all these things that were thrown off in order for people to be able to continue to run the race. Many years ago, there was a study called the Endorno Study. And one of the things that examined was what kept people moving forward. And it, it, it said in the end, yes, it's true that where we have come from is an important element in who we are today. We are in many ways the product of our past. But what they found out was that people are more significantly the product of the future they aspire to, that the goals that they have, the race that they're running toward, the finish line they're running toward, the relationships they're straining toward now, those are more, a more powerful factor in shaping their life than the things that were behind. So there are two questions, of course, in this. The first is, what do you need to release and shed in order to run the race marked out for you? What do you need to leave behind that's holding you back, either by your perspective or by your health or by your attitude? And then what is God calling us toward? And so we move from futuring, rather focusing and forgetting then into futuring. Again, we are a future stance people, not only in terms of tomorrow, but in terms of eternity. And the goal is not just to make a good effort. The goal is fully enjoying life in the grace of Jesus Christ and knowing him, as Paul said, I want to know Christ. Let me have you think for a moment back to something that you've really, really wanted badly. It could be a relationship. It could have been um, a possession. It could have been pretty much anything. What did you want so badly that you could not help but think about it all the time? And those are Paul's words. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, before we think too much about our effort in pressing on, we need to remember what Paul says. 
taking hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So we're a curious mix of complete dependence upon God and yet of personal effort in moving forward in the life that God gives us. For even in the service of a sovereign God, we are challenged to act. And sometimes I'm not sure what to do with this in terms of systematic theology. But it's clear here, it's clear teaching. God does it all. We depend 100% on God. And yet the desire of our hearts needs to be to move ahead with every effort, every priority, every passion, every desire that you and I have. So we need to be consumed by the future that God has for us in Christ. And we can do that because God has embraced us with his grace. It's not just our effort. It's not just our good intentions. It's not one person being more talented than another. God has embraced us all and is asking us to move forward. So questions for you. What are we pressing on toward? What is capturing your greatest passion? What is directing your biggest decisions? What is beating most fully in your heart of hearts? Of course, it has application in our day-to-day lives because our lives are a combination of a variety of small choices and certainly some big ones as well. But Paul says that the greatest call is to move our eyes heavenward toward the goal, the prize for which God has called us. It is our ultimate destination. In Christ, it is our destiny. And so the general race and the call of God, we each have a part to play in it. But there's a particular call for each of us. And what is yours? And I have no story for you here. I'm going to ask you to fill that in yourself. What are you pressing toward? What is capturing your passion? How do you hear God calling you, not just to a life, but how do you hear God calling your name? He is calling you personally out of love and a fellowship for you. So as we move to application, let's focus. What's your one goal in serving Christ? You and and only you, and yet all of us together. Forgetting, what do you need to release and to shed in order to run the race marked out for you? What do you need to confess and leave behind? What new habits do you need to adopt? How do you need to delve deeper into God's word so that the things you remember are the things that God is leading you toward today? And then futuring, who do you aspire to be in Christ? What would you attain for Christ in the race that is marked out for you? I'd like to wrap things up with both a comfort and a challenge. It's hard for some of us to consider what it means to run this race. Perhaps we're feeling so discouraged right now or we're feeling so beaten up or we've experienced some sort of deep loss. And the idea of pressing on toward doing something great for Christ is kind of hard for us to think about right now. But let me me remind us that it all begins with Christ seeking us out first. Let me read you these words from Isaiah chapter 40. The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And now listen to this. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will knock, walk and not be faint. So we enter into this race by waiting on the Lord, by relying upon his strength to take us where he needs us to go. And sometimes we soar like wings like e- on wings like eagles, as John Claypool wrote. And sometimes he continued, we will run and not grow weary. But sometimes it's the great miracle of God that we walk and not faint. So friends, however you're feeling today, whether it's beaten up or whether it's feeling energized, we wait on the Lord. We renew our strength in him. He will lead us in such a way that we can make this race happen. But there is a challenge as well. Professor Don Carson said, Christians should never be satisfied with yesterday's grace. Remember that Paul says, press on, not slide in. There is an effort. There is a dedication. There is a desire. And in that desire, as we wait upon the Lord, God gives us strength and moves us forward. One of the things I think is fair to ask is, Paul's encouraged this of the Philippian church. He's challenged us. How did it work out for the apostle Paul? very end of his life in his second letter to Timothy in some of the last words he wrote he says this I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing friends let us focus let us forget let us future Let us long for his appearing with the same passion that Paul did so that we may say at the end of our race, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you call us to something great. And you call us to something gracious because it's based in your power and it's based in your love and it's based in your mercy. So Father, on this day, Help us to focus, to forget, to walk into the future who have planned for us that we might honor you and glorify you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Friends, as we run this race of faith that God has mapped out for us, we know that sometimes it can be difficult, but we know that our Savior accompanies us and actually runs with us. And listen to these words from Scripture. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne, to the only wise God be honor, power, majesty, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, now and forevermore. Friends, go in peace. May Christ be with you. Amen.